News Talk 1110-993-WBT, hour number three. I mentioned this topic also the other day, spoonies. Have you heard of this term, spoonies? I had not heard of this term, but it is relevant to the previous discussion at the end of the last hour uh, about the VUMC, the uh, Vanderbilt University Medical Center and the, quote, big moneymaker that transgender surgeries are for the hospital pays for their clinic plus others. It subsidizes other areas of the, uh, of, of the hospital and its practice. So um, spoonies, this is important. But let me get to, uh, there was an email here on the uh, climate change topic that we went over in the first hour. Uh, this was Tim. He said, climate change hysteria. These people are participating in a new religion of climate change where they yap, yap, yap about the science and data while ignoring true science. Witness the phrase, the science is settled. The scientific method says science is never settled. If they believe the science is settled, then they have their own belief system, which is a type of religion. By the way, there was a, uh, I was watching the other day, a uh, conference, uh, what was it? I forget the name, the, the religion of Marxism or something. I forget what the name of it was, but it was uh, James Lindsay. And uh, he's, he writes over at New Discourses. Uh, he's the guy that submitted the fake papers to all of the social justice journals, you know, the, and with completely fabricated research and got these things published. Like one of them, he just took a translation of Mein Kampf, Hitler's book, and he translated it into English or he used the English translation and he, and he deleted words like instead of the Jews, he talked about like some of the social justice buzzwords and he, he just inserted their language in place of certain keywords in Mein Kampf and submitted that and got it published. He did a big study, quote unquote study, on how black dogs are or, or, or uh, at a dog park. Black dogs are ignored by white dogs, and so there's this racism inside the dog population. Complete fabrication. Uh, it was uh, it was uh, James Lindsay and uh, Helen Pluckrose and I think Peter Bogosian, right? I think those were the three that, that, that did this effort in order to expose the, quote, soft sciences, to expose these areas and these publications as essentially junk. I don't even want to call it science because it's not science. Right? It's just, it's junk academia, uh, academia, junk academics. That's it. it. It's just all, it's a religion. And that's the, maybe it's called the religion of Marxism. And, and this is sort of the, the, the point of this conference. You can find it on YouTube. It was just posted like a week or so ago. And there are like, I don't know, five or six different clips. Each one is about an hour and a half. They have different um, sessions. And uh, this is, this was his argument that, Marxism, communism, needs to be labeled as a religion. And he explains in uh, sometimes humorous but also sort of clinical ways how the philosophy is a religious philosophy. It has all of the same hallmarks as any other religion. So I recommend you go see it. But anyway, um, the, the Spoonie, or sorry, not the Spoonies, I'm getting ahead of myself. I was reading this, uh, the, the email here from Tim. He says, if they believe the science is settled, then they have their own belief system, which is a type of religion. By the way, I just sold stock in Unilever yesterday because their CEO just this week affirmed his commitment to the ESG agenda at the Clinton Global Initiative in New York City. Um, 
And then he points out, the yes, the old adage that uh, environmental uh, activists are like watermelons. They are green on the outside, red on the inside. Right. That's a, you know, it's like they, you know, they, they tossed out the commies in the, you know, the 80s and, you know, they threw them out the window and then they came in the front door as, uh, as environmentalists. It is the new, it's their cloak, right? This is how they advance their agenda is via the climate sciences. Because have you ever noticed all of their solutions are always state dictated solutions? You ever notice that? It, every all of their solutions empower the state, empower governments. Um, and then I also had somebody uh, explained the grand rounds that uh, this was where the uh, Vanderbilt University Medical Center these video clips surfaced out of the uh, out of the grand rounds um, conference and. Uh, Grand Rounds are, and this comes from uh, MAGA American Pitbull, a.k.a. Melissa, uh, who says, uh, Grand Rounds are a methodology of medical education and inpatient care consisting of presenting the medical problems and treatment of a particular patient to an audience consisting of doctors, pharmacists, residents, and medical students. So Grand Rounds is what the, is what those are called. So I appreciate that. Uh, yes, that was me kicking the chair. Real professional. Okay, so Spoonies. Who are Spoonies? What's a Spoonie anyway? Common Sense is the name of a publication uh, put out by Barry Weiss. Barry Weiss was the liberal New York Times columnist who got canceled out of her gig. Remember this? Because she was a little bit too conservative. And by conservative, uh, we mean uh, that she was (laughs) pro-Israel. And so... She got canceled. Uh, she got into big fights with the wokists at the New York Times. And so now she's doing her own publication called Common Sense. It's over at Substack. You can subscribe to this stuff for free uh, and read. And she's got a bunch of different writers that she, uh, that she publishes over there. And one of them is a, a woman named Susie Weiss. Okay, And Susie Weiss has a very lengthy piece published earlier this month called Hurts So Good. And she starts off by telling a story of a girl named Morgan Cooper who was in a hospital bed when her gastroenterologist, psychiatrist, internist, a few nurses, and her mother all came into her room. It was July 2019. She was 16 years old. And for four years, she was having stomach pains every single time she ate. And it got even worse as she got older into high school. The doctors had tested her for allergies, ulcerative colitis, gastroparesis. Everything came back negative. She had recently been diagnosed with median arcuate ligament syndrome, or MALS. It's a vascular condition. And uh, she was set to be operated on by a surgeon in Atlanta. But they wouldn't do the surgery unless she gained 25 pounds. And that wasn't going well. Because remember, every time she ate, she would have the stomach pains. So she wasn't putting on weight. She was only like five foot seven. She was 98 pounds. So she was being force fed through a tube in her stomach. That's how they were trying to, to get her up to weight so she could get the surgery. Okay. Cooper had lobbied for the tube. Morgan Cooper, this 16 year old, wanted the tube after she saw other Spoonies with it. The Spoonies were Cooper's whole world. 
She discovered them in late 2018, right after she set up a separate Instagram account dedicated to her medical struggles. She said the account was for updating the family and friends who were always asking how she was doing, but a single tap on a hashtag M-A-L-S or the one for any of the other illnesses that she had instantly revealed a world of chronic illness sufferers who track their many pains, tests, diagnoses, and doctor's visits online. These were the Spoonies. They were mostly young women, and it seemed like there were thousands of them. There aren't strong Spoonie stats available, but there's a ton of Facebook groups and pages. One of them has over 130,000 followers. There are nearly 3 million Instagram posts with the tag... Spoonies. Videos garner 700 million views on TikTok. According to the CDC, six out of every 10 Americans suffer from a chronic disease, with four in 10 having two or more. I know these are giving numbers on the radio. It's not always ideal. But this is, this is what feeds the Spoonie culture. So what's a spoonie? I never heard the term before about a week ago. I came across this piece called Hurt So Good by Susie Weiss. It's at uh, Barry. Oh, maybe that's Barry Weiss's wife. I don't know. Uh, at Common Sense, Barry Weiss's Common Sense Substack publication. And uh, the term spoonie comes from a blogger named Christine Misery, or sorry, Miserable, no, Miserandino. Yeah, Miserandino. Anyway, uh, she has lupus, and she coined the term Spoonie back in 2003 under a blog post at the time called The Spoon Theory. A spoon, she explained, equates to a certain amount of energy. I don't know why a spoon is the analogy, but it's her analogy. A spoon theory means the spoon is a certain amount of energy. The healthy have unlimited spoons. The sick only have a few. And so those are the spoonies. They might use one spoon to shower, two spoons to get groceries, four spoons to go to work. So they got to be real strategic about how they spend their spoons. Again, I'm sorry. This is not my analogy. I don't know why they why she pitched this as spoons. Maybe it's like a measuring spoon. Maybe it's like that. Like there's a liquid of like liquid energy in the spoon, and that's and you, you so you have to you know you got to spoon it in to something or to your mouth. You got to take a spoonful of energy, and then you go and do something. Maybe that's what it is. But this was the initial theory in 2003, the spoon theory. So if you don't have a lot of spoons because you're sick, you're a spoonie. Or at least these are the people that like this, this, whole, this whole community uh, built up around. They call themselves spoonies, right? Since uh, 2003, this theory has ballooned into an illness kingdom 
filled with micro-celebrities offering discounts on supplements and tinctures, podcasts on dating as a spoonie, spoonie clubs on college campuses, a weekly magazine, and online stores with, yes, spoonie merch. Spoonie merchandise. This is the community that this 16-year-old girl, Morgan Cooper, found when she was, uh, I guess, 15 years old or so. And by the way, they're mostly young women. So Cooper creates a YouTube channel. I had one video just called I'm Sick. And the thumbnail was just me crying. The thumbnail, just like the little picture of the, you know, it shows you what the video is, right? So you could put a little thumbnail and it's just her crying. On Instagram, whenever I would post a picture of me looking sad or with pills in my hand or in a wheelchair, it would get like 2,000 likes. But if she put a picture of her smiling, she'd get about 100. The Spoonies made Cooper feel less alone. But the more time she spent online with them, the skinnier she got in her journal. Because remember, she's having pains every time she eats. And so she's not eating. She's losing weight. But she can't get this surgery for some uh, separate ailment that she has. She needs surgery, but she can't get it because she's not heavy enough. She's too thin for them to do the surgery on her. So she's got to put on 25 pounds uh, to save her life, basically, to get rid of this pain. So she's not putting on the weight. And she's being reinforced, essentially, during the weight loss by the Spoonie community. They basically like all of the posts that show her sick, and they ignore the posts where she's not, which is a, this is creating a feedback uh, system that reinforces bad behavior, right? Reinforces the negative and doesn't reinforce the positive. This seems like a problem. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Talking about Spoonies. The reason I'm bringing this up and the reason why I have it after I was talking about the Daily Wire uh, investigation into the, the transgender clinic in, uh, at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, I believe there, I believe there is a connection. And I, I, I think there is, and I saw it actually referenced in, in one of the debates, I forget who said it, but it's something I've uh, drawn parallels with um, for years, which is on the, on the transgender issue, particularly the, the treatment of tra- uh, gender dysphoria. And again, I point this out as I try to remember to do so every time, which is I have no idea what that must be like to be dysphoric on anything, right? Like I'm looking at myself and I think I'm 7,000 pounds when in fact I am, you know, uh, binging and purging and I'm now wasting away to, uh, you know, a hundred pounds. Uh, Like, but my mind is telling me I'm too fat when in actuality uh, I am emaciated, right? That's a, that's a form of dysphoria, right? Uh, Anorexia, bulimia. Uh, There are people who are transable who uh, believe themselves to be disabled in some kind of way. And, uh, their mind keeps telling them, no, you're blind or no, you, you can't walk. And then they eventually harm themselves to induce this thing. 
that their brain is telling them they are. I have no idea what that must be like. It's got to be a kind of hell. But I don't think the way that you help those people that suffer from that kind of uh, disorder, I don't think the way you help an anorexic is to tell them, oh, yeah, you're, you're totally fat. Definitely keep on starving yourself and, and throwing up. Absolutely. I don't think you tell somebody, yeah, you know what? If you think you should be blind, uh, here, let me help you pour some bleach in your eyeballs or something. I don't think that's the way you help the person. I think you, you try to help them with whatever the underlying cause of the dysphoria is. I don't think you try to, quote, affirm. And again, not, there are people, by the way, that truly you know, suffer from this dysphoria, but it's my understanding that it is a very, 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 very small percentage of the population. Then there are other groups that, uh, in the transgender world that, um, that don't fall into that category. There are different causes of this. And uh, Abigail Schreier talks about this, talked about it years ago. Uh, there's sort of like these three different uh, groups. Um, there's the rapid onset gender dysphoria folks. The, and, and this one is like it's a contagion. And, and you can see it uh, where uh, you've got like a, a, a clique or a, a group of usually females. Uh, they're friends. They're all hanging out together. And all of a sudden they all become transgender. Like how does that happen? Are you telling me that they were always trans and they just didn't know it, but they all happened to become friends with each other in high school or something? And, and then all of a sudden they all realized that they're all dudes trapped in women's bodies. Am I supposed to believe that? That does not seem plausible, right? So there's the rapid onset gender dysphoria. There's the what she called, I think, you know, the true uh, uh, transgender, gender dysphoric people. And then there are, there is the... Uh, I forget what she called the uh, third group, but this is the, these are the radicals. These are people that, um, and by the way, there is a connection here politically. When people uh, start down this path, they, they become politically radical. And I cannot deny that there is some sort of overlap there. You know, there, there seems to be, I don't know if it's causation, but there is obviously a benefit politically. Think about it, Right. If I could say, and, and here's this is a parallel study. They found years ago that uh, if you were a kid that went to parades, if your parents took you to a parade or multiple parades, I don't know if there was a certain number, but if you go to like July 4th parades, whatever, Labor Day parades, whatever it was, if you went to parades, when you grow up, you tended to be conservative. Now, I don't know if that's because conservatives took their kids to parades more so or if something about the parade made you a conservative. I don't know what caused what or anything. Maybe nothing. But they found there was an overlay there. There was an overlap, rather. They found an overlap. So if I wanted to, if I'm thinking completely politically and cynically and I'm thinking, you know, you know what, I really want to make sure that a lot of kids grow up to become conservatives, what would I do with this information? Well, I would take my kids to every parade. Well, maybe not like the the drag queen story hour parades or whatever. Maybe maybe not those. But if you right, but if you if you could tie it to like, hey, if you take your kid to July Fourth parades, they become conservatives, and you're trying to increase the ranks of conservatives, you would try to get everybody to go to July Fourth parades, right? Does that make sense? Sure. Well, likewise, if you can. If you if you discover that there is a connection between people who pursue transgenderism for themselves, that they become politically radical, 
Well, if I'm a political radical, maybe there's a benefit that I could have for my cause by getting more people down that path, right? Of course. I'm not saying all. I'm just saying that is one of the groups. Okay. Um, so this term, the Spoonies, there is a connection. Because this girl who they're telling the story about, Morgan Cooper, um, she has to put on weight and uh, she says when she starts posting her story uh, of all of her sicknesses and stuff onto her Instagram and YouTube, the, the, the reinforcement, positive reinforcement she gets is when she talks about how sick she is, not when she's talking about how healthy she is or if she's happy. And then in July 2019, she's laying in a hospital room and they all come in, all of these doctors and her mom, they all come in and they take her phone. And she says she went ballistic. She went just, she was hysterical. These illnesses are often invisible to most people. Spoonies may appear healthy and able-bodied, especially when they're young. Many of the conditions affect women more frequently, and most are chronic illnesses that can be managed but not cured. A diagnosis often lasts for a lifetime. While symptoms come and go, they change, they multiply. Spoonies find community in having complicated conditions that are often hard to identify and difficult to treat. That's why a lot of Spoonies include a zebra emoji in their social media profiles. It's borrowed from the doctor's adage, an old axiom in medicine, which is when you hear hoofbeats, look for horses, not zebras, right? In other words, assume your patient has the more common illness rather than a rare one. But the Spoonie mantra is, I am the zebra. That's why they put it in their profiles. I'm the zebra. I'm unique. I don't have the common thing. I'm not the horse. The Spoonies fit into a long history, though, of women having amorphous, hard-to-diagnose conditions. This goes back to ancient times. Women who were diagnosed under the general category of hysteria, quote-unquote, right? Then in the 19th century, the new field of psychoanalysis concluded that women with hysteria were not suffering from physical disorders but mental ones. And then the Internet arrived and created a 21st century version of Freud's Vienna in which everyone was always on the couch, perpetually the patient. We'll get to more of this again. This is from a piece called Hurt So Good by Susie Weiss. That's the Black Crows. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So during the pandemic, neurologists across the globe noticed a sharp uptick in teenage girls with tics. Not the, not the bug, but like, you know, verbal or like physical tics, right? That, according to a report of the Wall Street Journal, many at one clinic in Chicago were exhibiting the same tick. Uncontrollably blurting out the word beans. It turned out the teenagers were just taken after a popular British TikToker with over 15 million followers. The neurologist who discovered the beans thread, Dr. Caroline Olvera at Rush University Medical Center, declined to speak uh, with the author of this piece, Susie Weiss, called Hurt So Good, uh, because of the, quote, negativity that can come from the TikTok community. That came from a university spokesperson. So you, you have medical professionals that won't talk about a viral physical or a, a physical ailment that people are picking up off of viral videos. 
they can't talk about it because of the attacks that they will get from that online community. Paulina Asaf is a psychotherapist at the Pain Reprocessing Therapy Center in Beverly Hills, a practice with a 200-person wait list. She said, quote, a lot of chronic pain is due to neural pathways in the brain as opposed to structural pathways in the body. She said, if a patient comes in with five different symptoms affecting five different areas of the body, it's more likely that the pain is neuroplastic, which means, yes, the patient is actually experiencing pain, but not due to an organic illness. The brain itself is firing off pain messages, a kind of false alarm. Likewise, several spoony illnesses might be thought of as what doctors sometimes call functional disorders, meaning there's no known physical cause or confirmatory set of medical tests. Case in point, irritable bowel syndrome, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia. Functional disease is a real and chronic problem, said Dr. Katie Kampaliti. Kampaliti. Anyway, uh, Dr. Katie. And uh, she's a neurologist at Rush University Medical Center, who's part of the team treating the, uh, the TikTok ticking teens. She said, quote, it's just not the one they think they have, right? Functional disease is a real and chronic problem. It's just not the one they think they have. So the Spoonies, which are these mostly women, but they're this community online that is like daily posting and hourly posting or whatever about all of their ailments, and they only have a certain number of spoons that they, you know, get per day to do various things where healthy people have unlimited spoons. The spoony phenomenon feeds into a mass wave of anxiety that Dr. Katie Kampaliti said was prevalent among the young people who came down with the ticks overnight. The ticks were symptomatic of a mass sociogenic illness. That is... It's generated by anxiety in most cases or another comorbidity and then propagated by the ease of TikTok. Dr. Katie Kampaliti says she no longer sees teens coming in with the TikTok ticks. But scrolling the platform, she says, I noticed a new trend taking over with videos now chronicling users' experiences with dissociative identity disorder, ADHD, and autism. Doctors say it's a mistake to focus on whether pain is real or imagined. The focus should be, what can we do to make it better? As Mary Beth Marshall, 27 years old, of St. Petersburg, Florida, said, there's some people who, deep inside, don't want to get better. She said she was desperate for a diagnosis so that her friends and family would take her seriously. She said, I felt like I had to prove to everybody that it was all physical and that none of it was mental, but... After she got the diagnosis, after finally being admitted to this community of fellow sufferers, she started scanning their posts, and they're in hospital beds and crying, and, she, and they're like, they're never going to get better. She says you can get addicted to being sad and sick and the attention you receive. I think this is actually way more prevalent than just Spoonies. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>